what we try to do is understand what their expectations are, and that could be in the crew that they want to have on board, or it could be on their itinerary, or it can be on just how we uh, work with them. We're a collaborative business with a lot of relationships in this industry, sure. and while we don't do charter brokerage or sales brokerage, we certainly know the good guys in the industry that do. Hey, we're on for another episode of Boating Insider. Today, we're with Rick Thomas. I got that on the first shot, right? First shot, Rick. For JMS uh, uh, management. So, um, yeah, we're on this boat. Tell us about yourself. Get All the right. thing rolling. Get the whole thing rolling. Get, well, you have a very interesting uh, career, and you're involved in a lot of things in boating. I, so give us the rundown. Well, my career begins way back in the early 80s, I was a uh, commercial diver. I got a, um, uh, one of the few people that actually have a degree in underwater technology, leading me into the commercial diving industry, doing offshore oil field diving in the Louisiana Gulf Coast. Oh so that has nothing to do with yachting, other right. than it sure taught me a whole lot about being offshore for three years, almost four years, and what the ocean's like and what it is to work mm -hmm. offshore in a hostile environment. Um, and, you know, even on a good day, you have to remember the ocean's a pretty hostile environment. Pretty dangerous job, right? <laughs> well, when you're 20 years old and immortal, you don't yes. think about that part of it. It's, it's just what you do. <laughs> Looking back on it, it's yeah. like, wow. Um, but that segued into an opportunity to actually work for my father, who had a manufacturing company building residential boat lifts. Um, quick stint with him and I got into what he called his aluminum products division which led me into yachting. I started selling little sailboat davits uh, that we built out of his shop and I met the Lazeras through Gulf Star, Vince Lazera, Dick Lazera, Brad Lazera. I started building equipment for the Gulf Star products, got involved in their development of the Lazaro yacht line at the same time I was doing work with other boat builders around the world and I started a company called Nautical Structures which is still a legacy brand in mm -hmm. the luxury yacht industry was with Nautical Structures for 35 years oh wow um, that was a long apprenticeship. That's a long, <laughs> That's a a long, long apprenticeship in this industry. That's what I tell people. Uh, last year I, I, I resigned from the company. I just felt I, I could do more. I, I am doing the well, same thing. What did you thing. do there? What did you do at Nautical Well, I was the face of Nautical Structures. I was the guy going out, selling the projects, meeting with the naval architects, the shipyard managers, mm -hmm. the shipyards uh, clients, um, coming up with the concepts that we would bring back to our factory and our engineering to develop into a product that would meet a unique special need. Um, and my specialty in the company was finding these special projects and developing unique things. One of the last things I did is the largest gangway that was ever built for the Viking River cruise boats being built by Edison Swest for the United States rivers. Um, and we built this amazing full beam hydraulic gangway that comes out both sides of the cruise ship, 50 feet off each side of the boat for bringing people on and off. And that came from just conversations and taking yachting technology and commercializing it for the application and, you know. So you went from the small structures um, to the gangways, yeah. you know, uh, even like the one we're coming on yeah. uh, this boat with. And then you just to made a, a cruise ship. Yeah, a gangway that opened right. up end to end would be longer than this yacht is long. Right. 
Yeah, that was right. pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> you don't want to have a hydraulic problem though when you're at port. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't put that in the universe. Right. Um, don't discuss it. No, real successful project, and 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 a number of others like that. And that's that's the part I really really enjoyed. Uh, the but you know, doing anything for thirty five years. Sure. That's that's a long time, and I came to realize after I left the company that what I was kind of missing out on the fact was the industry relationships that I enjoy, the the diversity of of my. Um, work in the industry because while I was at Nautical Structures, I was also an executive board member of the International Super Yacht Society, and I still am. I was a board member of the USSA, United States Super Yacht Association. I've been involved with Project Baseline, which is ecology-driven, diving-related um, nonprofit. Um, Global Underwater Explorers, which is a nonprofit diving training and ecology-based diving organization. So I've I've been multifaceted in my interests. I've been a lifelong boater. Um, I've raised three boys, all on the water, all with yachting and boating experience. My oldest was in the Navy as a submariner for five years. Um, so kudos to him and sure, thank him for absolutely. his service to the country. <laughs> that's a rough. That's a rough job. Right? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> he, he had a good time with it from the sound of it. But good. you know, it's it is a different world uh, being a submariner. And uh, so I left last last uh, March and uh, wasn't completely clear in my mind what I would do. I just knew that this is a pretty cool industry and a lot of opportunity in this industry and a mutual friend of my current business partner, Frank Jansen, who's the founder of JMS, Jansen Maritime okay. Services, Branson Bean, called me from London last uh, uh, June, exactly a year ago, and said, hey, Rick, I, um, I've got an interesting opportunity. Are you available? I said, sure. So I ended up in a conversation with Frank. We hit it off right away. He, two days later, had me in a conversation with his two business partners. We had a great conversation. Um, flew me to Monaco uh, a couple weeks later to sit down. We inked the deal right then and there, and we started uh, JMS Yachting USA officially August 1st of last year. Um, and so you guys basically do yacht management. We're an independent yacht management company. And, and what's, I, I, I emphasize that independence part of it because so many yacht management companies are involved in other things besides yacht management, such as sales brokerage or charter brokerage. Uh, we don't do that. We feel that's a conflict of interest with our owners. And, and our focus is totally on the benefit of our owner. Mm -hmm. So when, when people say, well, what, what's the magic sauce with what you do? I say, well, we sit down and negotiate a management fee with our owners based on the services they want and need. Uh, we agree on a fee, and that's the only dollar or euro we ever take from our client. After that's established, every single thing we do is for the client's benefit. If we get a commission on equipment purchase for their boat, they get the commission. If we get a discount on berthing or insurance or anything else that we negotiate, it goes right to their account. So that in some ways we actually offset the cost of yacht management by sharing the upside of our professional relationships in the industry. And at the same time, we are building long-term lasting relationships with these ultimate beneficial owners right. of these boats. Because one of the big issues with, with yacht owners is that they're just getting hammered on every front from, it, from everybody. Rick, they, somebody could go out and buy an expensive boat, gouge. 
and I, I am so glad problem, you right? brought that up because I tell people this, and it sounds almost Pollyanna, but I'm I'm absolutely deadly serious about this when I say this. 36 years now in the luxury yacht industry, I have watched and had communication with so many owners who have come in and said, F this, I feel like I'm being ripped off and feel like I'm being taken advantage of, disrespected. Because I own a yacht, they think that I've got a bottomless pit of money that they can pick from. Um, I, I could go on and on and on. That and, leads to, and it's, it's interesting that the industry hasn't really addressed that. They know what it's called, one and done, right? And that's and, so short-sighted. Right, and it's amazing to me that a, a dealer or a broker could sell somebody a $10 million yacht and then gouge away and expect that they're gonna come back for more. And it, it, so it's a big problem in the industry. So Rick, what, what I've found is it is a problem in the industry to a point. Mm -hmm. There's two sides of the coin in this in this industry, and and this is where I think people like me who've been in it long term bring to the table the upside of the industry. We've been in it long enough to know where the scoundrels are. Um, we understand how things are done. We we don't like a lot of what we see, and so we bring a higher level of professionalism and standards to our business. So people in the industry see that and they go okay well if you want the good experience you go to somebody like Rick and I could point out a, a, a dozen other people like me that bring this level of ethics and service and mm -hmm. client support to what they do the other side of the coin is the short-sighted the quick one-and-done kind of mm -hmm. people they come in they see the high net worth they go oh what an opportunity uh, they're in it for themselves not necessarily their owner and uh, that's where some of the problems are created. That's right. where some of the bad reputations come but from. But that's a hard thing to overcome. You know, you've got to do a lot of vetting and working with... You've got to be patient. You've right. got to be willing to be in there for the long term. You, 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 you've got to be believed. Um, mm -hmm. It's easy to say it, but it's another thing to, to, to do it, to prove it, to, to show that this is exactly how we conduct our business. And usually it's the third, fourth month where our, our clients come back and go, wow, you know, you, you really, you really got me a sixty thousand dollar, you know, discount, or, or you know, that came back into my account. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, because it's so easy to put that in your own pocket, right? Uh, it's fine, but so you're taking the approach as, hey, here's our all included fee, and this is what you pay us. Yeah. The rest were on your side. Right. Right. So that works out. Yeah, we create a budget, and then we we, we give them full transparency on the budget. They mm -hmm. literally see every dollar or euro we spend on their behalf. Um, we, we set, we set um, limits and, 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 and asks, so they'll give us latitude to spend, whether it's five grand, 10 grand, 50 grand, you know, ourselves before we come to, and say, hey, we have an expense, we need to spend this kind of money, are you okay with it? Right. And this is why. Um, so it gives us the latitude to be nimble and quick and responsive as, as mm -hmm. we need to be. Um, at the same time, uh, we're, we're creating a, a platform where we keep their boat in, not only in service, but in high standards with good crew, with uh, the type of operation, whether they're going into charter, they know they're not gonna lose charter revenue because the boat's not well maintained or sure. properly staffed, or just for the, like the boat we're on right now, we'll never go into charter. Great client, it's gonna take this boat around the world, have to maintain this boat to very high standard, and we've got the team to do that. So when, when people come and say, well, geez, Rick, 
cool, okay, that's a good business model. What makes you different from everybody else? I say, well, look at our people. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is look at our people. We're a very diverse organization. I would say 50% men, 50% women. Um, and the women are not all back office clericals. Mm -hmm. We have naval architects and, and marine engineers. Um, we've got most of our uh, yacht managers are 3,000 masters of all ocean uh, tickets that have come off these boats and come onto the beach to work. Uh, one of my business partners, Rob Piper, was uh, uh, Lloyd's Register, um, Director of European Operations for six years. So you've before got a he big joined swath us. of We've got every discipline right. in the yachting industry in-house. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, we've got seven DOCs with seven flag states. Um, so we're able to bring to the table the horsepower we need to to get something done. Well, like this particular boat that you that's your newest, right? Under Brand management? new. Close today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations um, to our client, too. Yeah. Big day. Um, so you're on board, and you're going to prepare this boat. This boat is going to take a circumnavigation. It is. She's going to leave uh, the end of July on her own bottom to go to Europe. And um, they're going to go from here to Bermuda, and then from the Bermuda over to the Azores, and then on into the Med. Okay. Um, she'll be greeted at the docks in, uh, in, in, in probably Genoa or, uh, or, or south of France by JMS team over there. Uh, the owner's going to use her for a couple months in the Med, and then she's going to go in for a refit. And we're helping right this now. This is before the... Be yeah, so he's starting the first leg of his circumnavigation to get over there. Uh, we're right now working on the, um, the the scope of work to be done. We've brought in a yacht designer, naval architect I've worked with in the past, who's exceptionally good at what he does. Well, well renowned in our industry, mm -hmm. Louis DeBasto, and um, <laughs> uh, we'll oversee that refit, which is another service we provide our clients. So then that'll be here or over there? Over in Europe. Okay, so. Now, for most people who are going out on the boat, they're going to go a few miles offshore, come back. One of their, you know, their tune-up trips are going to be to go yeah. across the Atlantic. Yeah, this this first big trip is crossing so the Atlantic. So that's a lot of responsibility. You obviously have to go through the boat, make sure that whatever's on board now works. How do you do that? It's a big responsibility. You know, you're talking about yeah. thousands of miles of open ocean. Right. And, and, and if you're going to go in the hurricane season as well. Human lives. Well, we're trying right. to get her out of here before the hurricane season really kicks in here. Right. Right. So, you know, you do you also consider, okay, you have to get a, the boat taken care of. you got to go through all the, you know, parts and pieces of it, if it needs to be hauled, whatever. Yeah. And then what about, so you manage the crew, and then how do you deal with the weather, if you will? Hey, you're going to go over to Bermuda, and then from there you're going across... And do you give guidance? Do you get involved with that in terms of... Peripherally. Um, remember, okay. the, the, that part of it really falls on the shoulders of the captain. Okay. Now, we have just gone through a big vetting process to find the right crew for this boat. <clears throat> um, the captain and the chef are flying up from New Zealand and Australia this weekend to join the boat. Okay. Uh, chief engineer and chief stewardess are coming in from the Bahamas uh, next week to join this boat. Um, so all very highly competent people. In fact, the fact that this boat's got such an interesting sailing itinerary, we're attracting crew that are normally on 40, 50, 60, 70 meter boats that want to join this little 29 meter boat for this. To go across the Pacific. And everything else we're going to do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because when she finishes her refit, she's going to leave the Med, go down through the Suez Canal, 
pop out in the Red Sea, go down to the Maldives, um, be in Micronesia. Um, this client intends to see Antarctica at some point in time, wants to uh, uh, you know, get over to the Galapagos. He wants to see the world. He's a young man, a young family, and um, you know he's he's, he's going for it. Yeah, he's Good you know him. take advantage so of the now opportunities. People might say, oh yeah, is this a 150, 200 foot <laughs> yacht here? What are we sitting on? <laughs> We're sitting on a Nordhaven 80 or 86 foot uh, expedition yacht. Right. Actually, this is one of the few where when they build it, she's actually 92. Um, because they extended her, her transom uh, okay. a bit with a bigger swim platform. Um, so she's a big little girl. Right. Imagine if you had full control of your boat, you felt safer, eliminated the unknown, and you were able to forecast and plan for your boat's upcoming maintenance instead of being caught off guard. Can you imagine knowing exactly what is installed on your boat down to the part and serial number on all of your standard and custom equipment at a moment's notice? Having instant access to your manuals while at dock or at sea and provide custom departure checklists specifically for your boat and your crew. Imagine ensuring the safety of your vessels and passengers with instant access to send emergency alerts and being able to ensure the value and the pedigree of your boat with digital logs recording the full history of every event on your boat. Well, you can with Vessel Vanguard. We are the leading maintenance and safety management software in the marine industry. We work with a wide range of marine industry experts, including yacht owners, captains, ferry and tugboat operators. If you're looking to safeguard your assets and preserve your revenue, visit VesselVanguard.com and schedule a demonstration for yourself. The link can be found in the show notes below. We look forward to supporting you and your vessel soon. Well, the Nordhavens are just built. Yeah, and they look much bigger. Yeah, as well. Yeah, um, so it's a it's a good boat to do it. But ninety six feet sounds big, but Not in the center of the Pacific, right? <laughs> Trust me, just my head's in. into that one too. Going, boy, right. that's going to be interesting voyaging. So any uh, any like specialties, like if the owner said, "Hey, listen, I'm going to be out far. We want to have some other safety measures on board, or any other specialty items, or even worried about." How do you manage medical emergencies or things like that? Do you get involved with managing absolutely, that absolutely? Okay. So you know, Rick, you, you hit on a couple of good points there. First of mm. all, every boat in our fleet, whether it's commercial, which means charter or not, we try to maintain an IM, ISM, International Safety Management Program, right. or a mini ISM program, so that we maintain a, a specific established standard of safety um, and compliance on the boat. Uh, we have a very close working relationship with MedAir. We've got Telemeta service. It's part of the management we bring to the boat. Plus, we'll be uh, fitting their med kits for family, young children, um, and, and fa uh, friends of the owners who will sure. be on board. So we'll have the full up meds with all of the prescription and, and uh, anything that might anything go you wrong. might right. you know everything that you need to have on board a boat for life saving purposes. Sure. Um, you know we make sure all the life rafts are in, in, in compliance and dated and inspected and all of that. And then we work with them on their sailing itinerary. We'll work with the agents at the different uh, like the. Uh, uh, Panama Canal and the Suez Canal. There's agents that you go through you to get to scheduled and hire people. Stay on we, your boat and go if we need way. to put temporary crew on for voyages, for passages, we can do that. If we mm -hmm. need to help them source permitting <clears throat> for places that want to go, we can do that. Um, so we're we touch it all. Um, we rely a lot on the professionalism of the crew, which is why when we go sourcing crew, we really spend a lot of time in vetting them out, looking sure. at their credentials. 
having good interviews, understanding what they're technically capable of, and then we try to create the magic of a crew family on board our boats. Not easy, but you know, one, one crew person that's not congruent with everybody else can ruin the whole thing. Right. So we want to make sure that everybody we put on the boat work well with each other, we're professional, um, you know, create so a you're culture not just taking, that's good. Right, so you're not just taking a, a round hole and putting a round peg in it, it's also an art, picking the right people with the right personalities, what the owners might want versus what type of environment the crew um, or the captain absolutely because i you know that's another big part even when you're trying to source people on the boat like i said one could be per two perfectly fine people but if you've got a, a a personality clash if you will it it takes it all down it can it can it, and, and you know everybody jokes about blow decks and all that stuff right. that's kind of given some notoriety to our industry insane to me it looks a little staged <laughs> well a lot of it is staged <laughs> i think we've had two of our boats uh in, in on, uh, on that show um but i can tell you that some of the stuff that that seems staged does mm -hmm. happen Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, as a, again, as a management company, all of a sudden you have an incident and you go from a crew of 12 to a crew of nine overnight. Mm -hmm. Okay, what do you do? Right. You and know? you have the ability to fill that in in the event that you have that problem. Well, that's, that's the thing. You, right. and, and we have a very strong careers department out of Brighton, England. Uh, we've got five girls over there uh, that's headed up by my partner, Sam Thompson, that does a really good job of having a, a strong bench, I call it, mm -hmm. uh, a little American quokalism there, of, of crew talent that we have to go to to, to, to source Solve crew. Problems. And we're doing the same thing here in our business here in the States. We're, we're collecting CVs and interviewing crew. In fact, um, anybody in the industry, any crew in the industry that wants to come into our office, we actually have a little desk set aside for them and we'll sit down and we'll go through their CV with them. We'll give them advice if necessary on how to interview. And uh, if we like them, we'll certainly put them in our database and, mm -hmm. and, and, and So they can just reach list. out to you and uh, you'll yeah. step them through the process. Absolutely. And, and when I'm on boats and I'm talking to crew, um, I, I make them aware of the fact that, you know, that's a resource for them. What about, what would you do if somebody was like, you know, I really want to I saw below decks. I don't necessarily like the drama, but I'd like to get out there on the water, and I'm just new at it. Is there any way that you can help them out or steer Absolutely. them in the right direction? We put them through like Savvy Maritime Academy or some, mm -hmm. one of those local academies to get them their STCW uh, ticket, um, get them in front of a doctor to get their ENG1 medical release and all sure. that, and then there's certain courses that they would take to get certain certifications to be qualified to be either on deck or you know interior staff and um, those people are called the greenies um, but we like when possible to put a green crew member with a seasoned crew mm -hmm. because this industry needs crew we we, 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 sure. we we rise and fall on whether or not we have good crew or not and so it's super short-sighted to think you're just gonna work with the seasoned experienced crew and ignore all the newbies coming into the industry sure so we're always out there encouraging people to come in to um, consider a career in yachting see show them what it looks like we advocate that strongly um, uh, we also advocate the mental health part of it. Um, yeah, because uh, you know that that you hear more and more of. You know, how do you keep the crew? 
Well, it's interesting, you know, you know because Ricky. Because, you know, and a lot of these, they're down in smaller quarters. Oh. It's tight. Everybody's working together. Even these big I took yachts a long get ride. small. I took a long ride with my wife a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And after 10 days, you know. You need more space. You need space, <laughs> right? So, so how do they, well, how and do it, they manage all Well, those? it's interesting because um, I've been the past six months or so collaborating with a, a well-known captain in the industry and Kelly Gordon oh, has interviewed her okay she's yep. she's fabulous yep. she gets it um, and she's done a wonderful job from our perspective and how she works with her crew and builds teamwork and checks in to make sure everybody's doing well the overall theme with her and I think it's and it's not related to just you know operating a boat it's just a it's a, a management style yeah. and you know I don't want to I want to avoid the word inclusive because it's usually you know just thrown out there too easily mm -hmm. um, but but to some extent I think it's open and I think it's based on and I always say this stuff uh, mutual respect absolutely she's in charge and she'll listen yeah you know yeah. and um, that's a that's something that either comes to you somewhat naturally or you have to be taught it and it's not always around so how do you get your well, there you go in? so so how do you take all those uh personalities uh and then pick out the specific skill set that you need and then put together this dream team <laughs> it's almost like putting together a you know championship it's baseball team it's exactly right? what over it, and over it is exactly what it is and that's why you see the the really good teams come back year after year mm -hmm. after year and the lesser teams tend to never make it to the playoffs. Right. So you got two eyes, two ears, one mouth, right? So be a good listener, be a good observer. Um, I've learned in my career as a business owner, uh, and I like to think that I've done a pretty good job over my career in hiring the right people for the right job in the businesses I've owned, that you, you have to understand what the individual you're, you're anticipating to bring on board wants what, 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 where, where's their direction? What, what are the, what their career what, path? Is, right. What's their right. path like? And then you have to stay connected to them. Um, so just like Kelly tends to stay checked in with her crew. Perfect example. Tomorrow morning, JMS Yachting USA is doing a team building morning on board my boat. Uh, we're moving my boat to another dock for a event we're doing um, next week in the Bahamas. Those are the nice perks to be in the boating industry, right? isn't it? Though, <laughs> but but it's 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 it was a great opportunity to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna shut the the doors, turn off the lights for four hours. We're gonna get on the boat. We're gonna do a nice ride down the New River and up the ICW, pick up some fuel, go to a new dock. We're gonna have conversations. We're going to you know have an opportunity away from the office and all the other stuff to really just engage as the sure. small team that we're building. Right. And I try to do that periodically just to remind everybody that, you know, we, we all work for a common purpose. You know, right. we're, we're individuals, but we're working together as, as a bigger so, thing than so ourselves individually. Like, yes. At the end of the day, it's really not even the boat. It's someone's buying a service for me to be able to enjoy uh, what they have, and they're counting on you to make right. it a pleasant experience. And that goes and back safe. to what you were saying earlier right. about, you know, what it, what is it that makes the way you manage your your vessels different, and and what is it you're doing for the owners? And that's exactly what I try to point to. It's like we spend time 
with our owners. We, we become in some ways their next best friend because we are overseeing one of the most precious uh, acquisitions that they've got. And, and it's their escape, it's their, it's their luxury to you know, be away with their family and friends and get away from the pressures of what they do day to day mm -hmm. and enjoy the ocean, enjoy <clears throat> their vessel. So what we try to do is understand what their expectations are and that could be in the crew that they want to have on board, or it could be on their itinerary, or it can be on just how we uh, work with them. Um, and will you help them? I know you don't do brokerage, but will you, you know, boat owners always buy the boat that they think will do every mission? There's no <laughs> such boat. No, it right? isn't. So how do you, do you, do you have clients where, okay, they have one particular boat, but they really found that they enjoy boating here or there. Do you help them put it into the right model, the right size? Listen, we, 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 we're, we're a collaborative business with a lot of relationships in this industry. Sure. And while we don't do charter brokerage or sales brokerage, we certainly know the good guys in the industry that do. Okay. Um, a lot of those guys and gals bring us their clients. Um, this boat's a perfect example of that. And we reciprocate. You know, we'll, we'll, if a client has a specific boat in mind, we'll walk them to a good broker that we trust right. and make an introduction, say, hey, um, our client is interested, take care of them. Right. And, and you know, it's, 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 uh, it, that's part of that long-term relationship. Relationship, right. Um, we, we, don't, we won't take a commission on that sale, mm -hmm. um, and our owners know that, so we don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to the financial side of it, but our our interest is that the owner has another good experience, is sold the right product for what he wants fairly, and is treated fairly. So now this boat goes into refit, and they start sawing off decks or yeah. you know, yeah, two decks are going to get sawed bit, off a little bit. I just cringe at the thought of that happening, <laughs> you know, and dealing with if a problem happens. That's fine. Are you? Um, Involved in that, you're there. You're making sure that it's being done. We'll, right. we'll absolutely. We'll over. Well, we'll we'll start out with the specification, and mm -hmm. and we'll we'll make sure the specification specification is written correctly. Sure. We'll review the bids from the three different shipyards that will bid the project to make sure that you know they're bidding it properly, that they understand what the ask is, and the specification that they're writing is congruent with the specification that we've established. Um, then we'll put a. A project manager in that yard to oversee the work to make sure step by step by step it's done to the right standard, um, it's surveyed properly, that it meets all the fundamentals that it needs to. <clears throat> and do you help them move it along? Because you know, a day or two on, on the time hard on budget with something like this is well, you know, it gets expensive. Yeah. Uh, do your do your managers just move it along and make sure that they're not? You know, well, of course. Those yeah, yeah. Right. We, we, that's 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 part of the day-to-day -day management. Part of it too is finding the right yard. Right. If you've got the right yard with the right relationships and you pre-plan it, the biggest problem I've seen in my yachting career—not just in the last year with yachting management, but also in yacht equipment manufacturing—is these boats will come to the yard prematurely. They know they want certain work done. They've not done the homework. They've not finished all their homework. Right. They come in. They come out of the water, now they start. And they should have started six months ago. Right. And, and it's all, you know, it's all uh, reactive. Yeah, instead right? of proactive. And that's what, and that's why we have Vessel Vanguard. I'll throw in a, uh, a little plug for <laughs> a that. A little plug for why that. Why not? Uh, because, uh, you know, having the planning tools, you know, you, it's, it's, 
it's a, and what what I think people just bringing it back to people are boating and and managing their costs don't realize is that if you go in too early or too late or just unscheduled um, you're just going to be paying extra for everything like you know I dinged Guaranteed. up a prop um, after the hurricane and I just hit a tree that wasn't supposed to be there in the middle you're of the You're not supposed channel, to have right? trees in the water. Well, when you pull this out, what you want to do is you want to make sure, hey, what else yeah. What else is underwater yeah. that I've got an opportunity to work on? You get your list. I'm, I'm going to do both props. I'm going to check my cutlass bearings, I'm my rudders, the whole bit. And you wind up taking a negative and, and sort of consolidate some services into one, and you go back in. So many times... Uh, people, hey, I have one prop. All right, we'll recondition one. What it's about, not going to yeah. be in sync with the other no, one. No, now you're exactly. going to have vibration. Now you're pulling it out again, yeah. and people just don't know these things. And, no. and, and a lot of people, when you get down to the smaller, because you do smaller vessels as well. We do. Not much smaller. Uh -huh. the, 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 the smallest we do is a 15-meter, uh, 50-foot sailing catamaran. Um, so you're, but, once you start getting to boats with systems, 50, yeah. 60, 70 and up, yep. um, you're you're now you're you know now you really do need to, you know that is a benefit to people for managing because people coming into that often relate it you go to the boat show and it looks like a car yeah you know yeah. oh I'll send there's a ten thousand mile uh, oil change I'll see you later and it's the complete uh, opposite oh, com so they just to don't know totally they don't know what they don't know most often that's right. again where a company like ours is helpful sure. because we we can take that individual who's who's maybe he's acquired some wealth or has finally mm -hmm. decided he's ready to do something and help him make sure that he's not spending money where he ought not to or that he understands why so for instance the boat we're sitting on a couple weeks ago we pulled her out of the water at a local shipyard did a pre-purchase mm -hmm. survey went through the whole boat uh, from the underside uh, we, we, we checked uh, the hull we had surveyors on board uh, we brought a representative, representative from Cayman Island Shipping Registry because she's Cayman Flag to go through the boat with us. We have a list of things that needed to be done prior to closing on the boat. There's a list of things that are going to be done when we get to the next refit. And, um, you know, that was part of our role is to identify deficiencies <coughs> and explain those deficiencies. Hey, this is, you're going to pay $100,000, you know, because you're going to get this, this, and this done, right. for example. It's not, hi, I'm the salesman. It's a uh, you know, couple of thousand dollars a month for the, uh, the loan, and you're good to go. Don't worry no, about that it. No, you know, that's a right. different world. But that's the way a lot of people get into boating, and then they're stunned. Even on the, on the lower end, I mean, I don't know if there are any more cheap boats. I mean, <laughs> well, when you see a 25-foot you know, center console at $175,000, well, it's not cheap anymore. No, I, just, I just took my 32-foot center console out of the water. I'd give it its 20-year special, repowered it, and okay. completely redid it? it. pair of Suzuki 300s. Okay. Great, great engines, cool boat. But the interesting takeaway again was I pre-planned this, came out of the yard, got into it, got deeper into it, and even deeper into it, spent way more money than I thought I would. And I was buying everything at wholesale, not retail for the sure. most part. But I ended up with a better boat. I got it appraised and surveyed at the end of my little refit. Um, I almost tripled the value of my boat and what I did. Mm -hmm. Actually more than tripled, almost quadrupled. So. You do it right, there's an upside for doing this type of thing. Sure, but listen, you're not going to make money. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, don't, don't, don't read into that the wrong way, for sure. Right? <laughs> you know, keeping it honest, it's a, it's a sickness. 
when you you know, and and it's an addiction. And it's a beautiful addiction. Well, yeah, you know, it, you know, it you depends. Could, <laughs> you, you could have worse things to sure, you know you to, 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 to pick your pocket with. But. Um, but you do a lot more too. You get out there and you're doing some charity events, and you're you're, yeah. you're involved in the industry. Uh, tonight you're speaking at uh, young uh, young professionals in yachting. Yep, which is cool. I wish that organization existed when I got into yachting. You're the second person who has told us it's, that. It's it's an amazing organization. <laughs> Justin from D'Angelo. Yeah, uh, exhausted the same thing. I tell you what, because it does it does bring young people into the industry mm -hmm. and, and and helps them mentor. In fact, I'm mentoring some people through YPY, um, which is kind of fun, giving right. back a little bit. But yeah, we're giving a talk tonight at their members meeting because this weekend we're heading over to Bimini uh, with the Sea Keepers Society, and we've put and together. What does the Sea Keepers Society do? How much time you got? <laughs> okay. Well, in a nutshell, Seakeeper sea is, 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 the, is the gyro. No, uh, no, no. See, that's where people get confused. There's oh, a Seakeeper's okay. business that builds gyro stabilization. Yep. Not related Nothing at all. Nothing to do with that. No. I'm glad I asked. There you go. That's what we'll I clear assumed, this up, right? right? So, no, Seakeepers, they, they were celebrating the 25th year in, in existence. They are a not-for-profit organization. Some of what they do is take, like, yachts for donation, okay. turns them around, um, takes the money and, and directs it towards... Um, ecology, uh, marine ecology, ocean conservation initiatives. Okay. Um, we do a variety of things. And okay. best thing I would tell you is seakeepers.org. Um, check it out. There's a lot of ways you can get involved. I've my previous company at Nautical Structures was a supporter um, with JMS. One of the first things I did was sponsored some of the things they did last year going mm -hmm. into the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show. I've been involved with their Crossing for a Cure last year and now again this year. Um, Which brings us back to what? Yeah. So, so what's going on this? So weekend? this this weekend well, we're meeting in Bimini. Uh, there's going to be I think the number is 187 paddleboarders that will come together on the island to celebrate life and the, the, the challenges of cystic fibrosis. And, and basically we're, we're fundraising, creating uh, funding for CF uh, research and awareness. Um, and this was kicked off by an organization called Piper's Angels, a young lady by the name of Piper um, was diagnosed uh, 10 years ago with CF. She's now 14 years old, same age as my youngest son. Um, my connection to that is my wife Lisa passed away in 2018 from complications of CF. Um, so my, my children have and myself have that Connection. Experience connection. We understand what it's all about, and and and. It's great that there's organizations that are, yeah, you know, that you can get involved with. So this. so CF is cool it, it, with the connection here in that uh, the ocean saltwater has actually shown beneficial uh, therapy for lung disease. The the salt actually Helps. counteracts some of the CF effects. So it's good to be on in a saltwater environment if you if you've got this this lung disease. Um, but the bigger part of it probably is where we've come together to bring the awareness. And then on the 25th at midnight, we push off the beach at Bimini Sands in the pitch of dark. It's a full, it's a new moon, so it'll be really dark. And we make an 84 mile paddle from Bimini to Lake Worth Pier in Palm Beach. Uh, it's about, we, last year we did it in about uh, 17 and a half hours. Uh, we hope to be a little quicker this year, maybe get it done in 15 or 16 hours. So, 
just the idea of doing, I've never heard of that, like paddling across the, you know, the Gulf Stream essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. And being out in those waters when it gets wild is a whole new other, you know, another topic. But so you get a whole group of people paddling over. Yeah. And coincidentally, one of the guys that works for us, uh, uh, Tyler Vaughn, did that uh, a couple of years ago, and he actually paddled. So I asked Crazy. him when we went over. I said, "Does the current help you?" <laughs> And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that because, north push of the Gulf Stream. <laughs> right. I think the calculation is of the 84 miles you're going, the Gulf Stream moves you almost 30 of those 84 really? miles. So but you're, still, that's imagine, 50 miles. But you're, you're paddling, paddling. So you're standing up, and mm -hmm. that's, a, that's an incredible yeah. Uh, yeah. commitment. So, so Team Sea Keepers, we got four of us. We're doing a relay. My but book, you're not doing no, that. No, no, no. Okay. No, I'm going to be at the helm. Because then you'd make me feel really yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, uh, but... I, but I will be at the helm as we navigate the 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 course, um, and uh, we'll 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 be uh, changing out our paddlers about every hour or so. Okay. And uh, oh, you give them a break? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, okay. see, they only they do All one right. they do one or two <laughs> hours at a time, and then they come back in the boat, and the next guy goes in. So we're not competing. We're not competitive. It's, it's just, just for the sake of doing it and sure. to raise money for CF. Right. There That's are there are some competitive paddlers. Some are going for what they call the iron um, uh, distinction, which means you leave the beach and you touch the beach without touching a boat between. No, no. How no many of them have they have made it? A couple handfuls. Really? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It, it's it's that's a tough one because you know <laughs> you know you're able to take you know hydration and and and, and nutrition along the way. You get something tossed to you, which you, you can't, can't touch the boat. Can't touch the boat. You you got to go beach to beach. Okay. Um, so so you you got every level. You've got the rank amateurs who are just doing it for the fun of it. Sure. Um, and then the dedicated. We got the dedicated iron men and women who just just go for it. You know, and they they get it done in 12 hours you're like wow how'd they, how'd they do that how are they moving along with this disease are they finding are they making you know when headway? i was involved with it it was it was the whole gene replacement therapy was a big mm -hmm. big thing um they're still developing that but unfortunately it's so insidious it's there's not a good there's not a cure really in in sight that i'm aware of it's more therapy and it's managing it and when when my wife was born the life expectancy was i think 12 years and she had a sister who was four years younger than her that also was born CF, and she passed at the age of eight. Oh, boy. Lisa got to 55. Um, That's and amazing. So they, you, so she's made it through with therapies and... and, and lung transplant yeah. and, and all the things that you eventually do, but... Uh, you're um, the key you're there a happy is, guy, and... Uh, <laughs> you, you, appreciate, and rough, you appreciate the, 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 the pleasure of living, you yeah. know, when, when, you, when you're... And then you wound up raising with that. your... My boys, yeah. yeah, what a privilege, and total listen, privilege. And it's Father's Day, so it's a good thing. How about thing, that? Right? So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's how you have to, of all the accomplishments, right? As Best accomplishment of uh, my life, right? really. All the rest go to the back. Yeah, there. it's just, you know, so. the fluffy stuff. Yeah, well, listen, we're sorry you had to go through that, but it's uh, it's really great that you're involved in in that in that process and still trying to help. It's and good to give back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's good, to, it's good to give back. Yeah. And um, so... As we go through this, so I want to take it down to like the average boater, people okay. getting into the industry. Because you have a, you know, you've obviously had a, you know, tremendous experience in the larger boats and, and, and even managing them. But 
One of the, you know, one of the, some of the things that people should look at when they're getting into boating or what do you see the things that ruin it for people and how can they get in front of it? I'm just throwing something out here. I think on un the fly, un unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned like the, the experience of buying a car or maybe an RV. Sure. Sometimes you can even equate it to an airplane. Mm -hmm. Difference is you fly an airplane, you land it, it goes to the hangar. You're done with it until the next time you fly it. It's someone maintains it, and you've got a schedule. And you probably, if you talk to an aviation expert, they'll tell you exactly what's going to cost you to operate and fly sure. that airplane on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. It doesn't exist in boating. Um, in fact, there's an initiative I'm working on with a boat builder right now that's bringing out a new line of boats. And what one of the things we're trying to do is fix that problem mm -hmm. um, with a what we're going to call like a specialized concierge service because a new boater comes in and he thinks, okay, I'm going to buy a boat, I'm going to get the keys, I'm going to go. And one of the first things you might realize is it's not as easy as he thought to operate the boat. You know, so when somebody comes on, right? So what's really interesting, they're ready to go, and as soon as they leave the dock, I've seen it with new boaters all the time. This panic. Yeah. How am I going what do I to do? dock this? Right. How do? Where do I go? Right. right. And and so so I would say the first thing you do is have a conversation. Where are you going to boat? What do you want to do? You know, what's your expectation? What's your experience? Mm -hmm. Now, we saw what happened out of COVID. All of a sudden, people realized, oh my God, if I can buy a boat, I can get social distance, I can get on the water, I can get away from all this bullshit, and I can actually go live my life again. And the boating industry went, woo! Um, and it's still doing pretty good. So what I would say is, if you're new to boating, you want to find somebody who's not new to boating and 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 see if you can mentor with or, or get involved with. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned that concierge service because I was approached during the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show last year by a boat builder who said, listen, we want to do something a little bit different. We want to create a boating experience that's going to be more like what happens when you buy an airplane or a high-end automobile or or. So we're putting together a program that would have one of our managers get involved at the time that the the client has taken delivery of his boat, not for a couple hours, but for a few days, mm -hmm. and take them out on sea trials, take them through the whole boat, show them how it's all operated, how you take care of it, how you turn this, this part on and this part off, how you dock it, how, how you do every system on the boat, um, make sure that they're proficient with the operation of the boat, um, and then provide them us as a resource for the day-to-day -day things that come up. Um, it, it's a program that's in development. The, the first of this series of boats is in construction right now, and we're going to try to roll this out in early 2024. Now, is this something that's going to be a premier cost, or is it directed towards, there, you know? Part of it's going to be built into the price of the boat, okay. and part of it's going to be essentially an option. So the part that's built into the boat's going to be the delivery concierge service. Got it. So that every boat that they deliver will be delivered with a JMS yacht manager uh, taking them through the boat and helping them take delivery so of like, and get not, to another boat. We, you know, we've gone through those before. Oh, come on the boat, here's where the anchor is. No, you're you're no. talking about something that is getting into, where are you going with this? We'll take them to their dock. We'll take you to the we'll dock. We'll take them to their, wherever that where is. Where do you think you're gonna go boating? Yeah. And, and how do you deal with, um, we were talking about storms before, like Florida could be beautiful here and you could be well, all yeah. of a sudden in like, Well, in about know, another hour and a half, we're gonna have a big thunderstorm right. roll through here. You know, and it's so given. So when you're out on the water, what do you do? Right. So a lot of times people aren't in necessarily 
you know, peril that they're going to die. It's the panic. Yeah. That gets them. The fear when they factor. React. The fear factor kicks in, yeah. and then they're going through inlets that they shouldn't be. That they shouldn't be going through. If so they just wait twenty minutes. So entertaining <laughs> if you go on YouTube, though. Isn't yeah, all uh, over. Right? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you're not. You're never going to fix the person who's hitting the throttle at full speed in no, the sand. No, right? no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but the, you know, again, I think like attracts like, and mm -hmm. and some of those people are always. You know, you're always going to have that lowest common denominator. Sure. Every industry has it, and um, you know that's why airplanes fall out of the sky sometimes. Yeah. Um, Fortunately, and very, very infrequently. Yeah. Well, the smaller ones. Right. But but the um, but but the industry, I think, is still growing up a little bit and recognizing that there's room for improvement, and that if you want to foster a long-term industry that is going to grow and prosper you bring these guys in or buying their first 25 or 35 or 40 foot boat whatever that looks like and get them and their wife girlfriend family happy mm -hmm. they'll be around for the next boat and the next boat's almost always bigger than the last boat and that's how you see it well the grow. sales keep growing and so there's some motivation but you would it is nice to have the service component in your business model that recurring revenue and have people keep showing up. That's and right. They, and a lot of, and, and many manufacturers just don't have it. I, and I'm surprised even on the smaller end with all the electronics on the new engines, yeah. you know, being able to keep track of them, how they just don't see the benefit of, hey, we're going to charge you X amount yeah. per well, month. It, well, you look at the, the numbers service. too, though, Rick, and there's yeah. so many of these boats being delivered and they're being delivered through a, a network of dealerships and some dealerships are very high-end, some are probably less than. Sure. And and so, again, it goes back to the consumer, buyer beware and be do your research, do, do you know understand who you're working with, get referrals, get more referrals, you know, find somebody to mentor with, somebody who's done it before. Um, Check the ego at the dock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. You know? There's no ego in this industry. Oh, of course not. I can um, do it. I'll get it through. <laughs> but, but yeah, there, it, it's a, you know, it's 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 an interesting conversation because there mm -hmm. are, uh, you know, there's different levels. I I don't really participate much in the smaller yachts. Our boats typically start sure. larger, but I've seen them. You know, we're in in in, in my own boating because I have a smaller mm -hmm. boat myself. I, I I see what's being operated around and and how their boats are being operated and. Um, you see the good operations. And you people, see the ones that yeah, on the on the lower end. People still need it. They're complex, true. and they they need to know it. But uh, so at the at the end of the day, though, uh, it's very difficult to purchase a vessel probably over fifty feet and not have a management company if you want to enjoy it. Would you I, agree I, with that? I would. I would. I'd probably move that number up a little bit because 60, 60 70 is mm -hmm. when it starts to make sense. I think. Right. Um, once you go beyond purely owner operated where where you know that you can run manage maintain the boat yourself uh, or when your insurance company says hey you need to have mm -hmm. a full-time captain or you need to have a captain licensed to operate your boat oh you know right and all you the know, but you know the didn't other see thing that is, coming did you well yes I've seen it because <laughs> I've lived through it. Uh, and it's getting it's getting worse and worse every year and the numbers are, uh, you know, through the roof as mm -hmm. far as insurance is concerned. And so that's, you know, that's got to be another thing that's that's a big issue. It you, is. You, you know, it, you, well, you it, go it, out I, and search. We, we, we have very strong relationships with very, very good marine insurance companies. Mm -hmm. Very important. Because we're insuring 
92 meter boats all the way down to 15 meter boats. The problem and that most people don't understand even with the insurance, um, like in Florida, one requirement, the insurance companies, look, you don't know who started it, the, the car, you know, you know, the chicken or the egg, you know, who made it as bad as it is? Is it the neglecting owner? or is it the greedy insurance company? Somewhere in between, uh, something happened, and we're in a place today from the insurance side that's really bad. And so what insurance companies doing now is that there's a lot of hidden things inside the policy. Like I had one where uh, I came across one where, oh, you're insured, here you go, and if you go down a couple of pages, you find that, but if you have a place that's 150 miles from where you dock the boat, you're not covered for anything. Or there's neglect things, you know, so, have you been maintaining the boat? So Rick, this goes back to mm -hmm. what we were saying before about doing your homework, your diligence, and having the relationships. So again, in a professionally managed boat, we look at these policies. You're we, taking the time we, to find we, those we, we, And we, we, what I'll do is if I've brought on a new client who is in, currently insured, I'll take his policy, I'll send it to an underwriter that I have a relationship with and say, have a look at this. Tell me what mm -hmm. you think. Probably eight times out of ten, it comes back to say, hey, they're fine. You know, it's a good policy. I wouldn't advise sure. making any changes. Sometimes they come back and say, wow, you know, let your client know this, this, and this. You know, this is something they need to be aware of, and we'll do that. Um, I think part of it, too, is that in conversations I've had with other underwriters and insurance brokers, we have what we call a sour spot around here in South Florida in particular. You go up and down the New River, you see all these 80, 90, 100 foot boats tied to the dock that are poorly maintained. They, they're, they don't have captains or full-time captains on board. They're owner-operated. They're, they're, and they're the almost uninsurable. Right. Um, so that's where, again, yacht management comes into play because if you bring your boat into yacht management and we come in and put a mini ISM program in place and go through the boat and bring it up to standards and we make sure it's at the right dock and we've got a storm plan that says we're going to move the boat from here to here mm -hmm. if a sto named storm comes through. And, and you can go right down the list of what you need to do. All of a sudden that underwriter will go from not interested or, or, or writing a policy that's through the roof to all of a sudden it's pretty reasonable and, and it's 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 but people manageable. don't know you can negotiate with those with those things they just not they're not aware and um, because really you you, you want to the insurance companies want to make sure that you're not tying the boat up to the dock using it for a month flying away you know, up north somewhere they, else. They want somebody on board when they hear the high water alarm go off or the fire alarm exactly. go off. Exactly. Or at least, my, my, you know, what my experience has been like, those things could happen, oh my God, like a hose broke, nobody yep. was there, you know, it happened overnight. Uh, they're not that, they don't happen that often. No. Um, and for those boats that you're talking about that are just sitting there, it's amazing that most of them haven't sunk, right? Well, I'll tell you though, um, I've gone up the Dania Cutoff Canal on my boat. Um, I've, done, I've been down the New River, and every once in a while you see one that's sitting on the bottom. You see one, one. You see one the of bottom. them that finally gives up, but they're like 10 years old. So or inherently, you, you know, they're pretty good, but it is a problem that uh, insurance companies don't want to insure that. That's right. You know, hey, and they want some records of people being at least on board once or twice a month or, you know. It's hard to blame them know. because some of these losses no, can be legit. catastrophic. Yeah. They're, they're catastrophic. These boats are insanely expensive. Mm -hmm. And and that kind of wrecks it for the rest of us. We don't put in insurance claims and have to pay yeah. an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah. 
Well, I, again, I can bring things back to what I just did with my mm -hmm. own boat. And sure. uh, because I, when I finished, I had my boat surveyed and went through survey and I actually had a Coast Guard inspector come out. We inspected it and got everything. Once my insurance underwriter saw all of that, yeah, my value went up, so my policy went up, but not astronomically. Sure. And and I had no issues in maintaining the, the, the policy on the boat. So again, I think part of it has to do with the standards you work to and the ability to show the insurance underwriter that you've got a safe program, well-maintained vessel, right. uh, plan in place to con deal with the contingencies, contingencies and what-ifs. This certainly, this is how our clients, or especially our commercial clients, you know, that when they have a, a maintenance program in place and the way to monitor the boat, yep. uh, it makes a difference on the insurance. Absolutely. I think you're going to see more and more of that as you go forward, whether it's, you know, what type of maintenance program do you have, what kind of management program do you have. And I think if the industry moves more towards that, there'll be a lot less claims and hopefully... I think it's going to be, you, you know, it, you it's going to be forced premiums. in a way because once, right. once enough people realize they can't get their boat insured or the cost of that policy is just so beyond what they Insane. felt, yeah, then you, they step back a little bit and say, okay, how do I do this differently? What do I need to do to make this come in line with mm -hmm. what my expectations are? And that's where you start looking into, and, and you, you know, there might be a little bit of pay to play there. You might have to spend some money on your boat to bring it to a standard. Sure. But there are established standards, and if you can bring your boat to an established standard that the insurance underwriters can, can sign off on, you, now, now you're in a better place. Listen, we've learned a lot today. Uh, it sounds like your company is doing some great things. I mean, anybody who's given you the trust to uh, take care of their boat is going to circle the globe. <laughs> uh, that, that yeah. Those decisions are made lightly, so congratulations on that. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for taking the time. And look, you know, our goal here is just to give people some insights on what goes on behind the scenes, you know, in the boating world, how things operate. And I think that you've uh, helped out a lot. Ooh, good and, to hear that. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Rick.